It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. Happy New Year, lacrosse fans. Welcome back to Lax Class, Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. I kind of feel like I should have had like that that New Year song. I don't even know what it's called as the intro this week. There you go. Go with it. Go with it in the background. Jay Kelly and Brad Schoener with you. Happy New Year, lacrosse fans. As uh, we're back here with another episode. Slight fade now. Yeah, bound to the hum. Good stuff. Uh, Brad, Brad, come on in. Welcome back. Happy New Year, my friend. Uh, excited to be back with you for another EP Lax class and excited to turn the page on the calendar into 2021 as uh, we look to the horizon and a return of professional lacrosse and just life uh, as we used to know it. How's it going? Happy New Year. What's happening, man? Happy New Year, brother. Nice to see you. Have you decided on a, on a word of 2021 yet? I, I I might go with here. Present? H- like I hear you. H-E-A-R. Oh, here. so what my wife's wife suggested that would be my word for the year, <laughs> but I don't know if I'll be able to no, live up I to that high standard. No, did you? Uh, I, I did not. I, I kind of saw this. Uh, people people have been doing this. This is uh, something people do. Did you pick a, Did you pick a word? Well, we talked about it last week, and we thought you were going to head down the direction of studying or mm, learning. He yes. said he wanted to read more, and I suggested maybe a word of study or research. I'm going to stick with well-being. Well-being. Because I think that encompasses my mental health and my physical health I and like just, it. you know, relationships and everything. I think yeah. my word of the year is just going to be well-being, you know? When I have a chance of grabbing a beer or grabbing something else, maybe I grab something else. Except for today, because you know those goals and really don't start until Monday the fourth, and here we are recording on Sunday night. <laughs> yes, ease Seahawks are playing, you so yeah, ease um, into it uh, for sure. Exactly. I I liked uh, Patrick Kurtz, who's who's a big listener of, of Lax Class. He he chimed in. He said, "You said uh, you said my wife would love it if mine was here." And he goes, "Mine would be listen." Yeah. <laughs> same same sort of thing. So um I'll think about that. I'll I'll maybe I'll come up with something here by the end of the EP here. And we're gonna change things up a little bit uh this week. We're doubling down on guests. Uh we got some some news to drop uh with, with one of our guests. So we'll we'll get to that in quarter three with uh none other than one Dane Doby uh, from the Calgary Roughnecks. So we'll look forward to that in quarter three. And of course, we've got calls to the hall and a little something different this week as well as is, is our call to the hall is, is going to somebody that's no longer with us. So we're going to somebody that is here with us and, and somebody that knew this man quite well as Chris Hall is our call to the hall, but we're going to be making the call to our old boss here. It's a bit of a reunion uh, theme here tonight, Brad Schellner, and we'll get to that as we move along here as well. But Doug Locker going to come on the program to talk about his late great friend and NLL Hall of Famer in 2014, I want to say, Brad Schellner. Chris Hall into the NLL Hall of Fame, uh, unfortunately passing away, but uh, we'll look forward to that conversation with Doug Locker and uh, Quick Sticks coming up. Jim Else with 
Well, it was something else this week, Brad. Let me just say that uh, for, for Jim L. Something else coming up in quarter four. Quick sticks uh, as well in Q4. And uh, our Stampede Stallion of the Week, and it all ties in very nicely here as uh, a former stealth player, current Vancouver Warrior. Uh, so it all it all ties in nicely here with with Chris Hall, Doug Locker. And, and you know, here we are in 2021, but I feel like we're in 2015 or I 2016, know. and we're doing Stealth Classified on TSN 1410 <laughs> in Vancouver. We've got Doug Locker. Um, yeah, you're teasing your Stampede Style of the Week, which is Ian Hawksby. We're going to talk about the legacy of Chris Hall. The only thing different is that we back then there was kind of a no, uh, an un, yeah, an I, unspoken no roughnecks no policy roughnecks, on the show. Right. So Dane so Doby will join us. Here. He'll he'll buck the ten. We'll break them all. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be nice to chat with Doug, who's of course now uh, the color commentator for the San Diego Seals. I enjoyed his work down south there, watching those games mm-hmm. and and talking about the legacy of CH. Like you and I, you and I got to host the radio show the week after he actually passed away yeah. and did a sort of a tribute yeah, show Paul for him Rabel, on TSN 1410. Paul Rabel, Gary Gate, um, Doug Locker, Kevin a couple Alexander, of the stealth players yeah. at the time, Kevy, guys that were really close to him. But just knowing that we could get Gary Gate and Paul Rabel on the same show to honor Chris Hall was a pretty easy get that week. And that just shows right. you what kind of guy A little easier than was, trying but... to get Gary Gate this week, I will say. <laughs> still he was waiting. efforted. Yeah, he, still he waiting was for efforted. a reply from 22. I might have to, to get on the heels there a little bit. But um, so I look forward to, to all that. And you're right. Like, uh, you know, every every day you kind of get the Facebook memories pop up. I know you're not on the book anymore, but uh, still classify. We actually did like our first show in 2014. And we took like a couple of months off here and there over the years, like during, during summer or or spring or whatever it was. But uh, for the most part, we've, we've been doing this thing for the better part. Go well, This will be year what? Eight? Year seven? Seven. Yeah. Year seven. Yeah. Uh, which is a long time, dude. <laughs> That's a pretty long time to be doing a show together. We've talked to a lot of people and covered a lot of ground in that time. You know, I, I think about it from time to time, like who haven't we had on the show or who haven't we spoke to and picked the brain of. And well, like we've we had haven't a, had, you haven't had, you haven't had a chance to talk to Dane Doby. We haven't had Dane Doby. Dane Doby's one of my favorite players since he entered the league. I started following him in junior because I was broadcasting in junior at the time and him and I sort of same age group coming up together so i've always wanted to chat with dane doby casey powell we haven't had on is another curtis name that comes dixon to has head. not been on the program but i curtis think we're dixon gonna get him uh coming up in a couple months yeah but yeah, there's not, there's not been, many other fun, yeah there's not many other guys that haven't uh graced the program which we can't be more thankful for and and i was you know kind of talking about that like guys helping guys do things and and making this game go and kind of helping each other out scratching each other's back and and like guys don't have to come on this program, but rarely have, you know, once in a while, a guy will just say, can't do it this week, but maybe another week, but we haven't had any like straight up, like, no, I'm not doing your show or like go F yourself or whatever. Right. So I can't thank everybody that, that that's come across our, our ears and eyes uh, and, and has come on the program. Like it's, it's been incredible over the last six, seven years here, man. Like when you think back to, to all the, all the people. Oh, yeah. When you actually run down the list and start thinking about it, or you see a guy play, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when he said that to me. Or you get this little nugget that pops in your head yeah. that someone is referenced, you know? it. it uh, and then maybe even it, the it's obscure been an, it's been an education, ones, too. Like the obscure 
guests that, you know, the one-offs that you're kind of like, he was kind of the, the soup du jour of, of that time. It's like, ah, let's get this guy. And, and some, sometimes those turn out to be some of the best ones. Yeah. Well. We used to do when we, when we did, um, when, when the stealth weren't playing throughout the summertime, we would fill time during the summer. We did this segment called, um, called campus craze where right. we would chat to kids that were in the NCAA that were like the future. And I wonder if we took a peek at that list Go you know how many of those guys up. actually went on to become something like i know there was a lot of guys that we did talk to like trey leclerc still on the yeah, way no up brainers, yeah no no brainers but there were some that we talked to that like i don't think they're in the league right now so like they they were hot at the time and were like top yeah. prospects that somehow didn't turn out yeah well maybe we'll go down that road one of these days uh we do want to hop on the trail here so to speak though brad and talk about this week's Stampede Stallion. I actually, last night while I was prepping for the show, I started like racking my brain about guys who have recently retired or guys that are a little later on in their career, maybe a year or two, three left, and started compiling my Stallion stable for future episodes here. I wasn't sure whether I should share that list with you to Selective breeding there? So I'm going to hang on to that, but uh, I have a nice little little stable of, of guys ready to go for my Stallions. So you probably, you might actually even pick some of them off that list, but I'm not going to share that with you. Just, uh, just thought I'd Share that with you, but I'm not going to share the list with you. Uh, this week, though, our Stampede Stallion, of course, presented by Stampede Tech and Western Wear. And uh, 2020 is gone, but still time to, to put on a pair of boots and, and just kick it a little further down the dusty trail, Brad. Uh, Blundstones, cowboy boots, Ariat. They got every type of boot you can imagine inside Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Or you can go online at stampede.ca where shopping online is still shopping local. Out there in Cloverdale, uh, Redback. I mean, you name it. They got it as far as boots go. And, and everybody's, I mean, still good boot weather out there for the next couple of months for sure. So stampede.ca. Shop online, shopping local, more important than ever right now. Uh, Ian Hawksby, you said it, and you're kind of the stats guy when it comes to Ian Hawksby. So give me some some numbers that jumped out to you about uh, this guy that has just had a heck of a career. What, 15, 16 years now? Yeah, well, he's top 10 all-time loose balls. He accomplished that you know, about a year and a half ago, 1,445 loose balls set his career high in Lucy's at the ripe age of 36 years old in really? Vancouver in 2019, 153 without taking a face off in, in 2019, which is anybody uh, who crests a hundred without being a face off guy is a, is a pretty impressive stat in the national lacrosse. Like doesn't score a lot. His last goal came back in 2016. <laughs> and I got a story about that. I'll tell you in a second, okay. but yeah, four, 14 goals and 81 assists over his career, 252 pims. Like, he keeps it super clean. Like, he, he averages, like, less than 20 penalty minutes a season for a guy who barely misses lacrosse games. Uh, it's been pretty phenomenal. And there was that stretch between 2013 and 2011 that he was doing his firefighting training. It's only played, like, a couple of games here and there. But to still crest 200 games throughout his career – uh, it's pretty impressive and not sure if he's done yet or not. We don't know. I don't yeah. know if he's back at Warriors camp when they when they fired up. We don't have, have news there, but I imagine taking the summers off recently has probably put a couple miles left on his body. So you know what you the stat know. Could, I would the Hawksby stat I would like to see is block shots. 
Like, he soaks yeah. a lot of shots. Uh, career starting back in 05 with the San Jose Stealth, and then kind of, like, took a real interesting path, did Ian Hawksby. A couple years with the Stealth, then a couple with the Edmonton Rush, two, three years there, then back to the Stealth in 2010-11, getting that championship there, I believe, in 2010. Uh, back to the rush in 2011. So maybe not. Actually, I think he got dealt. No, he wasn't. He the, wasn't there. He got dealt before that. I'm trying to think. I think. Uh, oh man, I'm trying to think who was involved with that deal. Cliff Smith, maybe. I. Anyways, back to the Russian in 2011. So it kind of like it was a real quick deal, if I remember. Like he got traded, and then the next day he got traded again, or something like that. Then, so you can see. Three teams uh, all in 2010-2011 as he ends up with the Mammoth finishing that year, played the next year there as well, and then started uh, the career back. So, like, four different stops with the Stealth organization, a couple with the Rush, a couple with the Mammoth, but just an absolute warrior. Another one of those guys is just a gamer, good with the stick, and and great in the room as well. Everybody loves Ian Hawksby and – I've been so impressed with this guy's career, both both in the pro game, but in his summer summer seasons as well. Like just night after night after night, one of those guys that, like, I think he played for free just because he loves the game yeah. and and just wants to get out there and battle. Well, I I don't I don't always like I don't like to talk at all really about guys per or professional careers outside of lacrosse because yeah, I wish they were full time professional lacrosse players, but. Ian Hawksby is not. He's a firefighter in the downtown east side in Vancouver. Thick of it. And if right people don't of it. if people don't know where that is, that is like the fentanyl capital of the world where he's told the stories where he's literally brought the same person back from the dead twice in the same day. I got a call in the afternoon, smoked up, shot that person, you know, what, what's the what's the shot they shoot you in the heart yeah, when you have a fentanyl yeah. overdose? I, I know what you're saying. Gave you the juice, that person, you know, went right back on the street, overdosed again, he came back and put them back to life again, and then went back and, like, played a lacrosse game that night. And I remember asking him, like, you know, how do you, how do, you do that? And lacrosse for him is his escape. He said that's why he still plays and keeps going, because when he wants to clear his mind from the crap he just saw during the day – he plays lacrosse, so yeah. I think that's what that's what will keep him going. That's what makes him a, a grizzled vet. There you go. Uh, yeah, so we'll see if '88's got a, a year left in him with the the Warriors in the upcoming season. That hopefully begins in the month of April, uh, early April. Cross your fingers on that one. So uh, congratulations, Ian Hawksby. Welcome to the stable. You are this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. Start preparing, Brad. Next week, your Heck, uh, we got uh, a great guest, an old friend, old boss. Uh, now he's kind of like our peer, Brad. He's color analyst for the San Diego Seals, former GM of the Vancouver Stealth. Doug Lockhart joins us in quarter two. This is Lax Class 113, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Dan Stroop. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source of all things NLL and box lacrosse. 
Welcome back to Lax Class, episode 113, into the second quarter we go. And when we go into the second quarter, we always let you know about our friends at the Vancouver Warriors, Brad, uh, inching closer to, to Warriors Academy 2.0. Out there at the Langley Event Center, this is going to be a lot of fun. Get your kids signed up. All the information at VancouverWarriors.com, or you can check out their social feeds at NLL Warriors, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, coaches, of course, head coach Chris Gill, Mitch Jones, Matt Beers, Riley Lowen, and Eric Penny working with the goaltenders, and general manager Dan Richardson will be out there uh, doing a little evaluating, a little tutelage as well for the youngsters at the Warriors Academy. And I highly suggest you get signed up before it's too late. 349 plus GST, or if you're a season ticket holder or Academy member already, 299 plus GST. And when this thing gets going, I, I mentioned we're going to get a Warrior on here, probably Eric Penny, and talk about what's happening out there at the Fieldhouse. With the Warriors Academy, and, and speaking of the Fieldhouse, a man that used to patrol the Fieldhouse for many a year, five years, I want to say, is the former GM of the Vancouver Warriors franchise. Uh, the stealth they were known at the time. My former boss, our former boss as well, and now the color analyst with the San Diego Seals, our good friend Doug Locker on the program. Lock Dog, good to see you. Happy New Year. Thanks for doing this. Happy New Year to you guys too. It's good to be back together. Yeah, we were we were reminiscing off the top how you were coming on to talk about CH, Hawksby, our stallion, uh, Brad and I together again, of course. And uh, as we said, the only thing that we, we we could never have a rough neck on, but we got Toby coming on after this as well. So, bit of a reunion here for for EP one thirteen. And I'm just waiting for an angry email from Jared Harmon and Tyler Dinwiddie, and I'll be. <laughs> Like it's 2014 all over again. Yeah. Before we get into that, we're doing calls to the hall dog, and we we're we're having every single member of the of the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame on. And the plan was to have all the Hall of Famers on leading up to Hall of Fame announcements and and the next sort of batch and nominees that we were expecting at Christmas time. But that's not happening yet. But um, we're still sort of going through our list, and you're going to represent Chris Hall here. Before we get into that. I just want to talk about Eric Penny for a second because Jumbo referenced him off the top and, you know, you, of course, brought him to Vancouver. I think he's a future coach in this league. I think he's got a real smart, I mean, not in this league, but in, in a league. He's a really smart lacrosse mind. Um, you know, did, did you know that about Eric Penny, that he's such a such a brainiac when it comes to the lacrosse game and what he sees back there? Certainly saw it develop over the time I was around him. I mean, he he's a thinker. He thinks about the game a lot and always thinking about ways to be better and how people around him can be better. So no, I didn't see it when we brought him to Vancouver, but certainly saw it develop after he was with us. Yeah. I, and he's been so vocal. Uh, Brad mentioned mic'd up in, in one of the games and just like not every goaltender is like that, but Eric Penny, real communicator. And, and that makes such a difference on the back end for your defense. When you have that view from the goaltender kind of orchestrating everybody back there. Well, and I, and I think the thing about Eric is, is he's really learned in, learned about the game, certainly at the NL level, from so many different aspects. You know, coming in as a backup, being thrust into the starter role, having that slip away and then fight back and get it back and now yeah. be the man, you know, in Vancouver. And, and better I'm for super it, right? proud like, of him. Better for it. Super, super, yeah, super proud of him for what he's done and how he's battled through and how he's just kind of stayed really steady all the way through 
whether it be a, a setback or a, or a real high moment, he's just been super steady. And that's to your point, Brad, that's a great trait for a, for a coach, you know, to be, be that steady Eddie and, and be consistent. Well, and he's, and he's seen it all. There's not a lot of development stories in the National Lacrosse League when you look around because you just can't have the, the rosters are too small. They change over year to year. Like it's tough to have a guy that can have all those different spots in your roster over a five, six year span. And he's certainly been one of those guys and better for it. So a, a pretty cool case for sure. But um, what's going on in San Diego? I know you haven't had a game there in, in a long time, but what was the atmosphere like at, at Pachanga? And how do you think that franchise is, is developing down south? I, I just have I just have the utmost respect for for what Patrick Merrill and and you know his staff are doing and you know what Steve Steve Govett and and that organization's doing behind the scenes. It was a, a real positive vibe. Everything was moving really on kind of a steep trajectory upward. And then you know March came and everything came to a screech, screeching halt. But you know I, I think despite the slow start in San Diego this, this past season, you know, things were, things were trending, I think where they wanted. I mean, they knew where they were, they knew where they wanted to go. And, um, just starting to hit their stride a little bit, Doug, like they felt like they were just starting to turn the corner when, when things got shut down. Right. And, and in terms of fan base and growing the fan base, I felt like things were really starting to turn the corner. You know, they were really building on year one. And, and and I know it's just a just a devastating blow, not only for San Diego but for a lot of franchises well, dealing know, with the uh, pandemic that we're all dealing with. Yeah, I know you were you were in the weight room and and out there on the beach getting tanned up, ready for for the big runway game uh, out there uh, on the Air Force Base. Uh, Tarps that was that was going to be that was going to be super cool. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I I honestly hope that they revisit that. I don't know if that'll be the location. I hope it is, but uh, to get back and and get that thing going, like I was I was so fired up for that, and I think the NLL really wherever it may be needs to make the outdoor game happen. Well, and and I think you know you you and well all of us know Steve Govett well, and the guy thinks out of the box. Yeah. I mean, you know, just having that experience in Vegas a few weeks before, and then looking forward to that that outdoor game on the runway, you know, two fantastic opportunities. And I do think we're going to see outdoor games in the NLL. And I, I think it's going to be super cool. Like I can't wait. Maybe that's a thing. Like uh, if we can't get into buildings in, in April, summertime outdoor games only, and just kind of tour around and just play games. What do you think? I'm in, I'm in. And, and, and in San Diego, right. They got the outdoor practice facility. Let's so, go. you know, why not play games outdoors? You know what? They, they, Let's the go. Sport, the Navy sport started Stadium. outdoors in Canada. I think St. Catharines had an outdoor game where they played um, major series games way back in the day. Like, it's it's, it's been done. I it's think it would be, be pretty impressive. Um, the legacy of Chris Hall, dog. That's what we're gathered here today to to talk about. And there's so many stories. And, and the resume is deep. And, and it's long. And the people that he influenced, that, that list is even longer when you talk about the Gates and the Alexanders and that, that victorious scene that he sort of developed. Um, you know, when did he sort of get on your radar as potential head coach for, for Washington at the time? Um, and how did that relationship develop between, between you and CH? Well, we, we met each other back in the 80s when I was coaching at Whittier and, and he was coaching the Victoria Seasprays at the time on the field level. And who had a better um, mustache a big, that year? Uh, I had a, yeah, it was a big dust back then. But we, 
we 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 always look forward at least at the beginning of the game to playing the sea sprays and uh i always admired how chris kind of ran that team so we got to get we got to know each other in the 80s continue that relationship really all the way you know through 2014 2015 and i I stayed in touch with him. In fact, went to a bunch of games in Calgary when he was coaching the Roughnecks and got to experience that with him. And, and we just developed a really strong, strong relationship all the way through. And then he joined the coaching staff in San Jose. Now tell that uh, story, Doug. How he, he went to Denise Watkins, the former owner and said, you know, like, give me, what was it? Give me two years or give me three years. I'm going to win you a championship. Yeah, it was give me three years. We'll win a championship. And, and, you know, you know, Chris's personality was just larger than life and, and what he had accomplished. And, you know, Denise went with it and, you know, two years later, 2010 rolled around in a, in kind of a storybook year to tell you the truth, because the, as you remember, the franchise moved after the 2009 season up to Everett. And that whole year was a whirlwind Uh, moving in June starting training camp five months later and uh, on we were with the season and 2010 was magical. Um, But I, but I think the one thing that really distinguished Chris for me was just his approach to the game. Like I think a lot of people who didn't know him well viewed him as being kind of this traditionalist with the box game and it couldn't really have been farther from the truth. Like he was a guy who just loved he loved taking risk, risks. He loved thinking outside the norm. Um, he loved taking chances with those American guys. And, and think back to the American guys that he really put a lot of faith in. I mean, it was not just the Rabels. But it was the Hartzels. It was Brett Manny. It was Tim Henderson. It was Chris O'Doherty. You know, all those guys who, you know, probably wouldn't be playing or wouldn't have played as long as they have if if Chris hadn't hadn't really bought into what he saw of them. And, you know, I, I can remember going, and there's so many Chris Hall stories, but going, he used to love going to the NCAA Final Four. And he loved going and really looking for talent, which you wouldn't think Chris Hall would be the guy looking at American field players to see who was going to come into the box game. But we went to a North-South game, he and I, and Tim Henderson was not on our radar. And we saw Tim play and, you know, Chris, Chris saw Tim immediately and he goes, I want that guy. I got to get that guy. And sure enough, we got him and he let him play and put a lot of faith in him. And, you know, it's just a wonderful story. And same with Brett Manny, same with Kyle Hartzell. And, and Even Kestiser. Uh, the face-off man, that Jamison Kester, right? What a what a what a piece, a cog in that that championship team. Like I, I don't know if you get it yeah. done without him. No, well, cer- certainly you don't, because if you remember that semifinal game against against the Rush at Key Arena, Kester wins the wins the overtime face-off to who? Paul Rabel, who goes down and scores the, right. the overtime winner to propel us into that championship game a week later, and um. Two American guys, you know, combining to uh, to send an NLL team to a championship game, and yeah. that's that was all because Chris believed in what they could do and stayed with them. And um, I, again, the list goes on. I mean, 
he was he was also a guy that could be really hard on guys. Yeah, like he would bark but, a bit, but he like I mean he cared for his guys a lot too. And you ask a guy like Lewis Ratcliffe on the impact that he had on his career, and Lewis didn't really like that sort of thing, but he'll admit that that Chris pushed him to a level that he didn't think he could get to. And Chris always went after, he was very hard on those guys who he felt had more to give or had the ability to carry a team. And, and, you know, yeah, he was super hard on Lewis at times. And, you know, he was super hard on Lewis because he knew what Lewis had in the tank and he was in his way, he was trying to drive Lewis to that next level. Um, He was hardest on those guys who I think he respected the most. You know, there were times when you didn't want to be on his bad side, trust me, but, (laughs) but he did it. He did it out of love. You know, he did it because he cared about where he thought you could be. And um, I, I think that's what made him really special in terms of uh, being a mentor and being somebody who would rip a strip off you and then 10 minutes later be your best friend. Yeah, I mean, the the smile and, and, you know, the big personality, put his hand on you. And, like, I think think back, and and I had a good half an hour conversation with him, I think it was 2014, just kind of a one-on-one sitting beside each other. And it was one of the favorite, most favorite interviews I ever did is – we speak with Doug Locker about the life and times of Chris Hall, who was a two-time winner as a coach, three-man cups as a coach as well, and and just a, a master motivator and a tactician as well. And, like, I just think that he was such a good orchestrator of putting the pieces together to create a championship team. No question. And, and, and very – he was very confident in what he saw and what he believed and what he thought would work. And I, I respect so much because he just stayed with that believing that it was the right thing to do. And, and when he latched onto a player or onto a belief, you know, he, he stayed with it. He didn't let outside influences affect him was very principled. And, and all you have to do is look at his, achievements certainly in the Washington era, you know, during that 2010 to 2013-14 era where the franchise was super successful. And and that was all that was all Chris. You know, that was his ability to push the right buttons, put people in the right places, you know, not let outside influences affect the team. And creating that culture, Doug, where like there was a standard and that was where you had to get to if you wanted to be a part of that organization. Yeah, if you if you didn't if you didn't kind of meet Chris's standards, you weren't going to be in the organization very long. And and that's just the way it was. And everybody knew that and everybody respected that. And yeah, there was no and, surprises and you, in that regard, right? Like he and, and you guys and you guys remember the the personalities we you know, that were on that, those teams. And there was a lot of personalities on those teams and, well, and the Calgary Chris, team as well. Like I, I think yeah, same absolutely. thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he took, he took two franchises that let's face it had been struggling, you know, won a new franchise in Calgary, won a, a franchise in San Jose that, you know, hadn't, hadn't really reached that next level and took both of them to championships and, you know, in, in the case of the Washington stealth, 
you know, two additional times came within a goal of, you know, winning multiple championships with the same franchise. But, you know, that was just his innate ability to be able to manage personalities and get the best out of guys at, at the right times. And, and I mean, what a lasting impact. And then, and then the other thing, Jake and Brad, that he really did that, you know, most people really didn't see is, you know, he was one of those guys that we had and, and Denise had kind of on the inner, the inner business side of the organization as well. Like he sat in on, you know, every budget meeting, every, every consequential decision that the, that the organization made during the time in Washington, Chris was a part of because, you know, one, he was just so damn good at it, but two, he could, he, he had a vision and, you know, he was, he was just monumental for the organization. And, and, you know, I think the results for what he did when he was, when he was behind the bench, you know, really, really speak to that. And you could really see the results, you know, to some extent when he wasn't there. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of guy was he outside of the organization? Like where did all that knowledge come from as far as, you know, leading men and having the business acumen too, to try to figure some stuff out? Like, was that, was he a forever student? Was it just an innate ability? Like where did he get his, his skill set? Well, he was a, he was a business guy at heart, you know, in terms of his professional career but, but I think going back to kind of that Victoria Shamrock situation, the sea sprays, the Shamrocks, Payless, um, where he really was the guy that held that franchise together and, and grew that franchise. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I think to some of it, some of that answer, Brad, is, is by doing you know, he was a guy that believed in achieving excellence by doing and repetition and hard work and practice, practice, practice. He was a he was a massive believer in the 10,000 hour theory. You know, you put 10,000 hours in, you're, you got to put 10,000 hours in to be good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he lived that on the floor, behind the bench, behind the scenes. Um he, he also, he also was a guy who was just super comfortable in who he was, you know, like he, he would tell me all the time that, you know, he didn't need the job, you know, he was doing the job. He was doing the job. He was doing the job because he loved it yeah. and felt that he had something to contribute. And I think that that just made him more confident, more self-assured, and, and it, it's just hard to put into words kind of all the, all the things that he was because it, they're just endless. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of childhood influences on him kind of helped mold his, his, his coaching mind and, and his personality growing up. And, and like, I don't know, the word that keeps coming to the, my mind when I think about Chris Hall is loyal, like just loyal as they come to his guys. Well, and you, and you can see that, you, you see that too with his, with the guys he surrounded himself with, you know, from a, from a coaching standpoint from day one yeah. were already and Kevin, you know, yeah, long, long time friends and confidants who he trusted and who he knew wouldn't just say yes to him, yeah. um, would challenge him. But at the end of the day, when he made those tough decisions would also back him. I, I think that he tried to, and, and he was successful in bringing that same culture to his players. 
you know, which is why I think the teams that he was around, both in Calgary and in and in Washington, why they were just so damn successful. Yeah, absolutely. Last one here for you, Doug, and this is something that we ask uh, all our our Hall of Famers uh, to comment on, and you can either speak from from your heart or who you maybe think Chris would would answer to this, and that is if you could select one guy who is currently not in the NLL Hall of Fame that you think deserves to be in there, who would that be? Ooh, that is a tough, tough question, Jake. I, I know I know you've probably gotten that answer a million times, but I I am uncomfortable answering for him. Okay. Um, so give me your answer opinion. Answer for you then. Answer no, for you. I'm not even gonna go there myself. Come on, we, we, Doug. we can we, we can't we can let help you go. You we, we can't let you we go can, unless you name one. We can help you out with some of the names that have been brought up by by previous guests. That there's there's a common thread. I think everybody feels that well, we're excluding John Grant Jr. and Colin Doyle because they have missed their class so far and they'll, they'll be in first ballot. Um, Jake Berge, Kevin Finneran, uh, Glenn Clark's got some love here. Um, Sandy those Chapman, are kind of, I think Sandy uh, Chapman was, was one. Reggie Thorpe's been mentioned. I, I, I mean, Casey Powell. obviously, obviously I will, uh, I will, I will carry the, I will carry the U S flag a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see a, an American guy get in, whether it be a Finn. You know, I think Kevin would be great. I, I think Powell would be awesome. Um, I, I, I don't know. Think back to think back to those earlier years back in the, you know, back in the early part of the call it the American Revolution. Uh, you know, I think there's some guys like. I don't know. I, I think I think. Well, I think a guy like Ryan. I think a guy like Ryan Boyle. Yeah. Hey you man, Nick, tra- you're entitled rookie, to your rookie, opinion. Rookie of the year. Rookie you know, Ryan year. Boyle was a trailblazer in in some respects at a time when it, you know, with only a couple of franchises, was it popular to have, you know, that kind of an American presence? And I think, you know, Ryan Boyle's a guy I would have loved to have seen him playing longer because I think it would have been unreal. Okay, you're on record, Doug Locker. Ryan Boyle, your selection for the All right, NFL there you conference. go, Ryan Boyle. Doug, uh, thanks so much for for the the wisdom and the wise words, and and you know speaking to Chris Hall, and and thanks for your time here on Lax Class. Uh, we we miss you up here uh, north of the border, man. I, I hope everything's good down there, and and uh, hopefully we cross paths here in the upcoming season, man. I want to love to love to get here. back up there sometime soon. Get those borders open, yeah. and. Uh, We'd love we'll, to get down south. <laughs> we'll, San Diego is on the list, yeah. my friend. Yeah. Be love safe. To, love to send love to everybody up there for me. You got it, man. Happy New Year. We'll do. Thanks for doing right. this. We'll talk soon. Happy New Year. Take care, guys. There he is. There he was. Uh, former GM of the Vancouver Stealth, Washington Stealth, San Jose Stealth, of course. I don't know, maybe not GM in San Jose, but uh, Doug Locker. And, and we spent a lot of time with that guy, Brad, and, and he was real good to us. And now doing some good work with San Diego Seals as well. Yeah, and still the tentacles connect. Doug's never going to be too far from the game. You know, he's still he's still working phones and well-connected, and I think you'll see, whether it's in the broadcast booth or in, in a manager role, someplace, sometime, I, I do not count that out for, for Doug Locker, who, yeah. who's, a, who's a great ambassador. Good to catch up with Locke and uh, hear him talk about his good friend Chris Hall. 
NLL Hall of Famer. Quarter two is done. We're moving to quarter three. Normally we do quick sticks, but uh, we got Calgary Roughneck MVP Dane Doby on the program next. Keep it right here, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class. Into the third quarter we go, right after I tell you about our friends down there in Coquitlam at Associated Labels and Packaging, at Associated LP, where they focus on people, ethics, quality, family-owned. Brad, we're recording here on, on Sunday afternoon. As in, as you know, uh, Sean Ashworth, big 49ers fan. As you know, myself, big Seahawks fan. They're currently duking it out uh, in... I want to say Arizona right now because San Fran not allowed to play at home. 1916 fourth quarter, Seattle leading. Uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, but if you need a package, you need a label, check them out at associatedlp.com. And uh, best in the business, man. And environment always on the forefront uh, when it comes to associated labels and packaging. Now joining the program is uh, a former MVP of the National Lacrosse League and NLL champion two times, I believe, for one, Dane Doby on the program. Back on the program. Dane, Happy New Year. Welcome back to Lax Class House. Thanks. Good, Jake. Thanks a lot, man. It's glad to be back. Holidays were good. Um, a little quieter, like we talked about earlier, but yeah. uh, it's it's uh, it was it was okay. Yeah, well, I know uh, life has has really changed for you since becoming a father, and and it looks good on you, man. And and a little family time around the holidays, nothing wrong with that. Looks like you've been working on the stash a little bit too, which uh, which I quite like. Um, but you're here to talk about uh, something pretty new and exciting that uh, came across my eyes the other day, and that is the Rivals Lacrosse League, the RLL. And your buddies, uh, Curtis Dixon and Tyler Pace, both Calgary Roughnecks as well, kind of merging all together here with Driven Lacrosse and Pro Caliber Lacrosse and, and coming up with Rivals Lacrosse League. This looks pretty exciting, especially for the kids here in the Lower Mainland. Tell me about the RLL. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's actually super new and it's all all the information isn't out to the, the general public as of yet, but... Um... You know, driven lacrosse with Curtis Dixon and myself uh, kind of came together with Pro Caliber Lacrosse, which uh, is Tyler Pace there. And we had a couple ideas that were bouncing off each other for a while now. And it, we just figured it was the right time to, you know, pursue a, a little bit of a merge and create a, a little bit of a field lacrosse league here. It's, it's going to be a field lacrosse league. It's going to run about hopefully nine weeks. And, uh, you know, we're going to try and get as many kids as we can plan and and what we really want to do is is not only have it uh a, just a games league we really want to work on a development league and and to develop these kids and get them an opportunity to get recruited out of out of bc um with not necessarily having to always have to leave bc and travel programs and all that kind of stuff so we're just trying to get kids in the right direction and give them an opportunity 
Um, we're going to try and get every game uh, professionally filmed um, so they'll be able to cut the film up and all that kind of stuff. So, so what are we talking today. here? Like U11, U13, U15, and U18, is that right? Four different uh, divisions. You guys are looking at four teams per division. Is that? Am I on the right track there? You got it. So it'll be U11, U13, U15, U19, actually. And uh, that's going to consist of hopefully we could field four teams per division. Um, Registration is not open yet, but it'll be coming soon. Um, and we just want to field four to be able to field four teams per division and and knock it out of the park. And hopefully, uh, you know, the practices are a big selling point for us based on the the coaching that we do have. We have a couple former PLL guys, as in uh, Ryland Reese and and Curtis Dixon, um, myself and Tyler Pace, who. Um, Tyler went to Denver, and I never had the chance to play NCAA lacrosse, but I've uh, done, done okay. a lot of field you, lacrosse done coaching. Okay. Yeah, you've done it worked okay. out for you. What's the, what's the what's the timeline on this, Dane? Is this a, is this a summer is this a summer league so guys can keep their sticks sort of outside and inside in the summer? Yeah, so this is going to be a summer league based on the BCLA's box season this year. So we're not trying to compete with the BCLA at all in their box in their box lacrosse season, no matter what. So if box lacrosse does become a go, we will push this season back. Um, saying that, we know that box lacrosse is such a priority here, and we do not want to take away. That's the roots that I came up. That's the roots Tyler came up. That's the roots Curtis came up. So that's where we really believe uh, kids need to be playing is the box lacrosse. So what we're trying to do is is given another avenue um, for these for these youth to, to play. So COVID and the protocols right now, we're not sure if we're going to get back indoors. Um, we're just waiting to hear from the BCLA if they're going to make an announcement on what box across is actually doing. But uh, no matter what, this league will run at some point in 2021. And and let, so, let, sorry, Brad, let me just get uh, what a, I was going to say is that, um, you know, is it field across is so like those field across is the avenue to get your scholarships down south, right? So it's sort of the idea too is let let those guys play let kids play field across twice as much as they as they normally would in a given year. Yeah, you know the, that's that's one avenue, and there there is smaller leagues and there is more travel programs, and it seems like field across right now is trying to that's where everybody wants their recruitment from, that's where everybody wants their their, their schooling from. So um, the big the big picture for us is to put a program together where people don't have to pay an arm and a leg to be able to get recruited and be able to get looked at. So what we really want to do is try and make, you know, create a, create an elite league at the end of the day um, and have people be able to cut their films and send their films out and help with recruiting processes and all that kind of stuff through this league. And and so with that being said, Dana is, is we'll move on here in a second, but, so you, you get it filmed and the kids can cut up their video and get the, but you guys are also like helping prepare them for the recruitment process and how they can get noticed and, and give them contacts to different coaching networks and where to send their videos and all that sort of stuff too, to kind of prepare them as they move along. So when their recruitment year comes up they're they know what to expect. Yeah, we'll, we will definitely look into hel helping kids and guiding. Um, I consider it guidance at this at this stage right now um, in guiding them in the right direction. Um, still, I think uh, like PCL is still going to run a travel team, an elite travel team, and Driven is looking into running an elite travel team as well. Yeah, tell me about Driven, but Dame. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you about next. You and Curtis kind of firing up this program. I know you've been working out of the LEC a little bit, and, and it's fairly in, in the – new stages for you guys but uh the social the social channels are blowing up with your stuff but tell me about driven lacrosse here before we move on 
Yeah, driven lacrosse, you know, like Curtis and I started it just before, probably at the start of the NLL season that carried over just into the into the new year there. That's when COVID hit. So we did a few things earlier on. And then, uh, you know, we kind of, kind of sat stagnant um, there for a little bit while everything was shut down. And the big one for us is right now is giving back to minor associations and working with minor associations. That's where we've seen our values so far. Um, we've worked with Maple Ridge and field lacrosse. We work with Abbotsford and box lacrosse. Um, we've kind of been, we've done a few things on our own. We're doing an elite um, box lacrosse clinic right now. And uh, we're having a blast <laughs> at the end of the day. Like I'm doing something I love and we're teaching kids how to play the game and the kids that really want to play the game show up and, you know, and, and it's just an avenue for us to, to give back in that part of things. But at the same time, watch the joy in the kids faces, especially during these hard times, actually play the game. They do love. Well, we know you're coaching with the, with the Langley junior thunder. There is something is coaching, you know, not is coaching something you want to continue to do at, a, at the highest levels possible after your, after your playing days are done. Yeah, most definitely. And <laughs> I've coached for so long, to be honest with you. I, I started actually back east when I was out east coaching field lacrosse. Then I moved out here and did some intermediate in Coquitlam, did some junior A in Coquitlam, then did a few years in, in Calgary for the junior A team there, the Okotoks Raiders, then back here to Langley. So it's just uh, it's something that I love. You know, it's you know, coaching's a lot harder than playing, though. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, um, you take it home with stressful. you, don't you? Like it's you... a lot more stressful. Yeah. Yeah, a little more, a little more, a few more sleepless nights, and it's a, it's a kind of a helpless feeling. Like I know, especially being an elite player like you, Dane. Like you can go out on the floor and have a direct impact on on what happens out there, but when you're coaching, you can only do so much. Like you can tell them to w- what to go and do, but they have to go and do it, and that can be a little bit of a helpless feeling sometimes. Yeah, you know, that's the sometimes you just want to strap the strap the gear on and get out there and do it, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I remember but that. JT remember... said to us a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Who yeah. said that? JT said that to a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah. Like, feel, he still feels the same way. Yeah, I remember Kurt Miloski was the same way when he was fresh out of it, too. He just wanted to throw the gear on and go and play. So, you know, it's 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 one of those things you just feel like. And you know what is great right now is, like, we're, during this COVID time, we get out and we get to hang out with, uh, you know, I coach a U11 team out in Maple Ridge right now, and it's just a blast. Curtis and I are having such a fun time doing it. And uh, they're just such, such young kids, and they're all the and they just want to be better and they always show up and it's just it's just a great experience so far talk about that relationship with mouse because you know we talk about this on the show and watching your career dan i think you guys have sort of you've been hand in hand the whole time essentially and i I would imagine that you've soaked up a lot of a lot from him and i see a lot of him in your play on the floor um you know how much of his coaching style have you sort of ripped off and, and made your own yeah, you know, I've been with Mouse since I was 18 years old, um, 2005 out here in Burnaby. And uh, the stuff that I've learned and the drive and the passion and everything that he puts into the game and puts into his coaching, like, is is definitely um, contagious. So I've taken a lot from him. From him. Um, I think the biggest one about Kurt Miloski is I will say this hands down, no doubt in my mind, he is the best best X's and O's coach in all of lacrosse that I've ever seen coach, that I've ever seen pick his brain. He can uh, break down an offense, break down a defense, break down any part of the do with a lacrosse game um, very strategically. So I speak very <laughs> and highly then of some, And then some. Like yeah. It's a little bit yeah. scary how detailed he gets with every single aspect of the game. 
Oh yeah, he can. He, he's a play-by-play guy, and he's like, he, it's unbelievable how he can break it down. How's your notebook game at practice? My notebook? Notebook. I've seen Mouse's notebook is like this when he's running to practice out there. Oh yeah, it's, he has all his books from the past too. I think he probably still has books from 2005 if you ask him. So like, uh, he's got everything. And to be honest with you, it's it's actually kind of funny when he starts drawing up plays. Like it's just like right when he puts the first mark on the board, I'm like, okay, we're doing this one, right? So because I've been with him for so long. So the new guys, I little feel bad for when they get uh, first come in and get a get a taste of them, but. Um, once you once you get the understanding of what he's all about and and how he operates, uh, he he's only trying to you know create success for you as a player. Talking with the captain of the Calgary Roughnecks, Dane Doby here, and weird season, right? Gets cut short, and it, like it, it's hard to kind of keep it all straight, but. Pretty good draft class. Uh, Tyson Bell being traded away, that, that's that got to hurt a little bit. But the, the class coming in here, it looks like you're getting some studs. Going to put on some roughneck jerseys. Tanner Cook, Harrison Matsuoka, uh, Ethan Ticehurst. You're going to get Tyson Kirkness back. I don't know what Cole Pickup's doing, but, like, there could be a real good injection of youth into the roughneck roster here come this season. How excited are you for that? Yeah, and I, I've talked a few times about it. It's really tough losing guys. Um, I'll start with that. You know, you lose Tyson Bell, who's put in a lot of years in Calgary, um, won a championship, lose Greg Harnett, lose Reese Dutch. Yeah. It's just it's tough losing guys like that. But uh, on the flip side of stuff, it's business. It's a sport, and uh, that kind of stuff happens. But um, I know the guys out west uh, have seen Tice Hurst. For, for years, I've coached against them. Like, I don't you know, know if he can beat you to the net off off the bench, Doves, with a breakaway, <laughs> but I, I, I put my money on him and uh, Yeah, like you, you put him against uh, you put him against Courier and Shane Simpson and even yeah. throw Harrison Matsioka in the mix. I coached that kid in uh, yeah. in Okotoks yeah, um, for a couple of years he there. That kid can fly, too, and they're both transition guys, and they just fly up the floor, and they just love the game. And uh, I know Harrison uh, – just dies for it. And uh, he was somebody, he was somebody that I put on, uh, I put on the roughnecks radar saying, man, he would be great for him to wear a Jersey. He's been to every home, every uh, season's ticket game um, since he was a little kid. So it's probably a dream come true for him. And I'm really, really excited for him. Yeah. You talk about guys like that. And then you've got Reese Callies and and Salama and like this defense. Now, when you look around that roughnecks room is really young and athletic and quick. Whereas before, when you thought about the Calgary roughnecks, you know, five years ago, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was chippy and aggressive and it was Carnegie's and Harnett's and McBride's and guys like that. And you really see it sort of transitioning. Um, is that sort of just the way the league is now? Or is that, that who the guys are coming up? Or do you think that's conscious effort to go, you know what, let's get athletic and quick and instead of, you know, aggressive and old school. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything about the old school lacrosse. Cause that's how I still play. That's who I still am is old school, but these kids coming out of college now, like, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old, been working out like crazy for the last four years, come out just, they're just horses. Like it's, it's, it's insane. You know, like you put, you put Reese Callies, you put Eli Salama. It's like, you don't, I don't even feel like practicing to be honest with you. It's not even enjoyable. Um, They can outrun you. They can, they do everything better than you. Um, You know, so it, 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 it's definitely a different experience uh, nowadays compared to the older days. Um, in the older days, you're afraid to get your head taken off. Now it's more like you're, you just don't know if you can beat the guys. Yeah. So yeah. you're afraid to get your ankles broken. Uh, as we yeah. think with Dane Doby here, and I don't know how many productive years you have left, Dane. I want to say at least a handful. And 
Guaranteed you're you're going into the hall when when it's all said and done. We're doing a little thing right now talking to all the current NLL Hall of Famers. And when we do that, we ask them who they think that is not in the hall deserves to be in there. So I'm going to ask you because I I know you're going to be a future NLL Hall of Famer. And if you say Kurt, you got to give me another one because I, I think that's might be the name that comes off your tongue here. But Give me a guy that's not in the NLL Hall of Fame right now that you think deserves to be in there. You put me on a tough spot here. <laughs> put me on a tough spot. <sighs> you know, like depends how many years you want to go back and well, look hey, at it. Any far, you can, doesn't matter. No rules. Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it's it's not a bad I I knew you were gonna say that though. So I no, and someone who uh give who me told us Kurt Pato Tool I think told uh, us Kurt Malowski too, did. and I think that's a no brainer. Like if he doesn't get in on his playing career, he's gonna get in for his coaching career somewhere down the road. I think that's a give no-brainer. me one more guy, Dan. Give me one more. You know I like like guys that I played with. Like I've only played in one team. You know what I mean? You go and it's so it's so hokey pokey. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? It's, it's tough for me to say, but the stuff that people don't see in the game itself is, is what really draws me to the, to players, people that mold a team. Um, like, and as crazy as I could say, like, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Mike Kilby. Yeah. Like nobody even knows, like, you know, Mike Kilby went to, he was in Minnesota. He was a fighter. He, he, as a young kid, he could fight, he could do everything. But, like, what Mike Kilby actually brought to the Calgary Roughnecks when he won a championship in 2009 was, like, unbelievable. And and nobody ever seen it. Nobody ever really knows about it. But, like, talk about, like, you know, when they have the Teammate of the Year award yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. It's – he's the best teammate I've ever played with. Plain and simple. Uh, and I played with a lot of guys. So, awesome. um, for me, that's who I say. Okay. Mike Kilby. Hey, there's no wrong answers here, especially coming from you, Dane Doby. Hey, uh – Appreciate your time being on, on Lax Glass, man. I wish you and, and Curtis and Tyler the best of luck with the RLL and, and you and, and Curtis with uh, with Driven Lacrosse. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll see you back in, in the rough house, I suppose, uh, hopefully in, in a few months from now, man. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate you giving me the time to chat about our new stuff, and uh, I'm, we're really looking forward to it. Our pleasure, man. That was one Dane Doby right there. Uh I should have asked him if he was hoping that Biz Nasty maybe made the Royer or the Warriors roster in this upcoming year so he could get back at him for the Oh, so we can answer back. Well they won that game. Yeah, they they answered. I think he had a first half hat trick in that game if I remember. They they poked the beast. Yeah. That had to be the line of the year there though. Like I tried out for the yeah, wrong well, team. If you go, captain's got a beer bellies. If you go back and listen to that broadcast, like he's there is so there's some subtle lines in there. Yeah. That that the Mitch that Jones just, one just, was yeah oh yeah the was, Mitch Jones after Jonesy scored yeah. there was a couple lines the there yeah like that was yeah. that was fun. you know there people people talk about <laughs> people are going through their phones right and saying like post a picture of something that happened this year yeah. in, as far as 2020 goes that like doesn't feel like 2020 and that was the biz game that we got to call in Vancouver like that feels so long ago and it was such a huge part huge focus point back last January like we're gonna be coming up a year on that. And then he came back for the Hawaiian game and, you know, standing on Logan's shoulders behind the bench, drinking beer. And it was fun. I, I like that's I was wanted to talk about it with you off the top, like watching, been watching a lot of hockey the last couple of weeks yeah. and it's making me miss 
putting on a show and oh, a broadcast again, God. you know, like how professional those guys are on TSN and their interviews and their panels. I'm like, I just wish I missed doing starving, that so man. much. Starving, starving to call a game. Like I just cannot wait for the day that I get to put, get up in a booth and just call a sporting event. I don't even care what it is. Uh, that was great chat there with, with one Dane Doby. How long do you think Dane's got? Like how many more years? I think he's what got a couple. He, I think he's got up? a couple. He's he's still putting up. What's he putting up? Points. Well, he's put. He's put. Yeah, exactly. He's like he 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 can be Josh Sanderson set a rec league record for assists the year before he retired. Like I think Doby's capable of something like that. I don't know if he's going to set a record for assists or points, but what I mean is like he's still going to be putting up numbers that he always has. Right? Least so he can't do it again. Three, four more years for Dan Doby. Yeah, like, I'm I just right, don't I'm, think like, I'm I, right there with like him. I, I know he's had the knee and the stuff, but like. I don't know, man. I, I just don't see him slowing down his production. No, and he, like we talk about in this sport all the time, is some of the older guys get wiser and the game slows oh, yeah. down, like your Dawson's and your Sanderson's and your Doyle's, yeah. and those guys can play until they're almost 40 years old and still put up 80, 90 points. I think he's going to be in that category. You called him future Hall of Famer. He's, he's no doubt in my mind a future Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, good chat there. Let's get to uh, quarter four. Last quarter coming up. Quick sticks and something else is next here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. This is Tyler Pace of the Calgary Roughnecks. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back. Quarter four, lax class, 113 into the fourth. No more breaks. Time for quick sticks brought to you by Manscaped. And uh, Brad, I got a nice little package in the mail just over the holidays. Refined. The cologne showed up. Give a couple squirts to myself. And uh, I'm smelling good as we record here on a Sunday afternoon. I I just like to put this on and, and make myself feel sexy. I know I'm digging it. I haven't been a cologne guy in the last couple of years, but this came in like a nice fancy box. I was yes. like, do I shoot an unboxing video for the last oh. class Instagram feed? Like that's how cool this thing looked when it wouldn't have been the worst arrived. idea. Wouldn't have been the worst I've, idea. But it's I've, not overpowering. Been, it's subtle, but it's not like it's fresh. It's, yeah, exactly. It's nice. I've, yeah, I've been I've been spritzing. I've been spritzing since it arrived. Uh, don't forget, uh, I talked to my man Dom. Or keeping the same promo code LAXCLASS20. And you get 20% off. You get free shipping as well. And uh, no better time to start your manscaping routine than in the new year. If you're looking to make some changes in your life, why not start manscaping? Use promo code LAXCLASS20. Get the perfect package. You get it all in one. The revitalizer, the toner, the the lawnmower. You get it all, and you get 20% off free shipping just by using the promo code LAXCLASS20. 20 and quick sticks uh, here in quarter four this week. Uh, what do we got for quick sticks? Not many. We'll kind of rip through them here, Bradley. A couple of contracts uh, have been submitted to the NLL offices. The reigning MVP, Shano Jackson, two years with the Georgia Swarm re-upping. And nice uh, half-rookie campaign, I want to say for the fifth overall pick from last year's draft in Clark Peterson re-upping two years in Halifax as well. I need to get back in touch with Carl Christensen, find out. I know they're, they're going to video that. I still don't know if we're announcing it. We should probably find out if we are, Brad. Uh, midget draft, June 14th. Check the BCJALL Twitter feed for information on that. 
Still awaiting uh, updates from the BC Health Ministry, Dr. Bonnie, Dr. Dix, uh, about the return to the XLL January 8th. We should get some more information there and see if yeah, we can get back some, in business. There's some good news in BC as John Horgan this week approved the National Hockey League's play. Mm. So I think that will mean good for We're right on par. If it's good for the out. NHL, it's hey, good for the XLL. If it's good for. Bo Horvat, it's good for Jumbo, Jake Elliott, there you go. and the Extreme Lacrosse League. I'm not playing, but uh, I will be on hand. So you could have picked like a guy like Logan Schuss or uh, Riley Lowen uh, if you're talking about Bo Horvat. Anyways, uh, we'll be uh, next week. I'll have a, a firm update on what the the plan is for the XLL. We're going to be doing another uh, Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame roundtable January the 24th. I believe that's a Sunday. And I think we're talking Russ Hurd. I think we're talking Dan Stroop. And I want to say John Carruther, maybe, coming on as well to share some stories and of, of glory days and, and have some fun there. So look forward to that. We'll be updating that as we move along. Uh, top Chef winner, Brad. I, I went through all of these one by one over the Christmas holiday, watching each team's submission. I don't know why Calgary got two, but like Salama and Callie's got to do one. And then they, they cut out Dan McRae from the Riptide when they were judging. Like they didn't. And I, like, I thought he was a close second place to the eventual winners and Steve Weiss and Steve Perillo. Uh, with with the charcuterie and the the venison and all that sort, but Dan McRae did like a nice rack of ribs with some cornbread, like, and I think they cut out. I his actually video. stole I I stole tips from Dan McRae after I watched his video. I said to my wife, I said, you know, your ribs have to be like I want to eat up. That. Yeah, your ribs have to be bone up. I, so I took a nugget from Dan McRae, but I I called Priolo Weiss from the trailer you teaser did. video you did. You did. like a month before, so I I knew those boys were gonna get. We're going to get the vote. Banditland comes through. Yeah, they did it all. Open fire. Just the, like the whole like presentation. Where, I still like to know where that was, like up in the woods somewhere in northern yeah. Ontario. Who yeah. knows? Uh, so congrats to to Priello and Weiss. And uh, Rambo and, and Reardon did a nice job uh, judging that competition along with Devin Caney, who kind of messed up charcuterie a little bit at the end of that video. But anyways, uh, so congrats to the Buffalo boys. And – Unfortunately, here, uh, the final quick stick is, is a very sad one, Brad, and, and that is uh, a guy that I got to know very well, um, I want to say back in 2012, 2013, when I was working with the Swarm, kind of doing some stuff. He was a big Langley Thunder fan as well, and, and maybe the biggest Philadelphia Wings fan I'd ever met in one Rocco Granato, who... Lost his life due to COVID complications. And I know the not only Philadelphia and the Wings organization feel this one, but the entire lacrosse community, is, as far as the NLL goes, what just, man, just one of the nicest, most positive, fun-loving guys you could ever meet and just a super fan of the National Lacrosse League and Philly Wings, Rocco Granato, gone way too soon. I just want to send out my heartfelt condolences and sympathies to, to his family. Yeah, I never got a chance to to interact with Rocco at all, but I I certainly know what he meant to that Philly 
organization and and fans of the National Lacrosse League. Like they don't make fans like that. I certainly know who he was as far as social yeah. media, and he even popped up on on broadcast for Philadelphia Wings. Like the guy was in the crowd and and was a season ticket holder since since day, day one. one back in the day. Yeah, like original Philly Wings way back, and that's a huge loss. They don't they don't make fans like him in, in every market, but we all. We need fans like those in in every market, and, yeah. and and he will be missed in Philadelphia and everywhere else around the lacrosse National Lacrosse League. So, rest in peace and thoughts and prayers to, to his family for yeah, sure. No doubt. Even when Philly went away there for a little bit, he kept ties with the New England Black Wolves, who moved from Philadelphia, and he used to go up to to Mohegan Sun to watch games, and I had a chance to sit there and have a drink with him after after one contest there, and uh, enjoyed my time with Rocco. Anytime I had a chance to to chat lacrosse with him, so. Uh, sad news there, uh, and rest in peace, Rocco. Um, no real easy transition from quick sticks to something else this week, Brad, so let's just try something else. Let's begin. All right now, wasn't that fun? Let's try something else. Oh, let's try something else. Hey, Bradley and Jake, it's Jim Els here. Time for, <laughs> time for another episode of something else on the Lacrosse Classified podcast. I'm here with my number one daughter, Gemma. We're going to play a little game of how well do you know your dad? You ready, Gemma? Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay, we've had a couple of drinks, but that shouldn't affect the answers that much. Okay, Gemma, what's my favorite lacrosse team? Uh, the Victoria Shamrocks. My favorite NLL team? The Calgary Roughnecks. My favorite player? Oh my god. Um, Dead Harden? Dead Harden. I don't know. Who? Who? <laughs> Dan Harden. That's what I said. Yeah, Dan Harden is my favorite player. That is what I said. Thank okay. you. Okay. I was just a little nervous about it. I don't know. I think she meant um, <laughs> John Harden, maybe. <laughs> maybe she meant, okay, I know he's bleeping. Okay. Um, well, I think that's. Okay. Well, um, okay. Okay, well, that's, okay, that's good. Um, anyways, uh, everybody have a great Happy New Year. It's New Year's Eve here in the Ellis household. We've had a couple of drinks. Uh, good times and ciao, Gemma. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, I didn't have you. I, I, Susan, I do. I'm on the podcast. Okay, bye. Well, uh, <laughs> Happy New Year indeed. Jim Ellsworth. Daughter Gemma there and having some fun on New Year's Eve recording something else. I will make note here, Brad. I, I did have to kind of splice that one up a little bit. A little choppy chop there. A couple of earmuffs uh, in there that had to be cut out. We got sponsors. We got kids that listen to the program. So it uh, got a little carried away there. But uh, a good for a laugh nonetheless. And Happy New Year to Jimmer and, and Gemma, who uh, made a made a super lacrosse player there, combining John Harnett and Dan McRae into one player. That that be or was quite... it Greg Harnett? I don't know. Yeah. Either either way, it's still a scary proposition to combine those guys who played so many miles side by side in Calgary. That would that would be a that's that's a weapon. So maybe Gemma maybe Gemma's onto something. If there. you could uh, combine two lacrosse players to make a super player, Brad, who would it be? I'm gonna say. Let's... So that's a tough call, man. All right. Let's, I'm, All right. I'm gonna go. It, it I'm might gonna go, even I'm be gonna, a, a good. Question, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna superhumanize Logan Shuss. Oh. And let's say, like, if you had the shot and the deception 
of Logan Shuss, okay. but maybe slightly more agile uh-huh. and slippery uh-huh. than Logan Shuss. Maybe let's go with like um like a, like a Mitch Shuss or a Logan Jones. If you just combine those the <laughs> okay. best skills of those two guys yeah, together, I see what you're doing. Mitch Jones is a weapon on his own. Okay, you know, maybe that's not a great one. Let's let's. How about this, Brad? Lyle Shuss. Well, I was going to say Lyle Hosick. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Lyle Thompson and Hosick one one day in a together? Lab. One day in a wow. lab, they someone will create a, know, a Graham Thompson. That would be nuts. Man, oh, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, happy New Year, everybody. Good to be back with you. We will be back next week, in fact, uh, a week from today. Hopefully, uh, well, maybe sooner. I don't know when you're listening to this program. But we'll be back Tuesday. Let's say that for EP 114. We'll have uh, another call to the hall. We'll find out who that will be. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks you goes out to our sponsors as well. Stampede Tack, Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, and our good friends at Manscaped, of course. Uh, thanks for listening. For Brad Schellner, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, be safe and be healthy, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>